In John 8, 31, Jesus says, Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed in him, If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. They answered him, We are Abraham's descendants and have never been in bondage to anyone. How can you say you will be made free? And Jesus answered them, Most assuredly I say to you, whoever commits sin is a slave of sin. And a slave does not abide in the house forever, but a son abides forever. Therefore, if the son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. You know, Jesus is, is posing one of those um, very hard, very personal expressions that he would have with them. Because he says to the Jews who believed in him, if you abide. Now that, that Greek word abide is mental. And it simply means that you dwell, you remain and you continue, okay, in someone's teachings. Now, what Jesus is saying is, if you abide in my word. Now, why does Jesus even have to ask such, ask such a question? Why would he ask a question of those who have been walking with him for quite some time? These are people that have seen the Lord make some miraculous uh, miracles, right? But he still has to ask that question. You know, I would think that if you witnessed Jesus accomplish a miracle, it would be enough. It would suffice to say, man, what he's doing, what he's teaching, what he's saying, I need some more of this, right? But that's not always the, the case. If you read John 6, verse 60, you find that the Jews are, are having a hard time with what Jesus is saying in this chapter. Because in John 6, Jesus is talking about being the flesh, eating his flesh. He's talking about drinking his blood. And they're having this really hard time, you know, this idea of eating somebody. Because in their mind, they're thinking cannibalism. Christ is not talking cannibalism. He's talking about what will come to be known as communion. What's going to be shared with believers. But it's interesting because in verse uh, 60 of John 6 it says, Therefore many of his disciples when they heard this said, This is a hard saying. Who can understand it? And Jesus says, When he knew in himself that his disciples complained about this, he said to them, Does this offend you? What then, if you should see the Son of Man ascend where he was before, it is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you are what? Are spirit. And they are life. See, Jesus' very words are life. What type of life? Well, sin kills you. Sin murders you. Christ, his precious words, give life to a dead person. Now, physically, you might be breathing, but spiritually, you're dead. You're flatlined. You know, you're gone. But it says in verse 64, but there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning who they were, who did not believe, and who would betray him. And he said, therefore, I have said to you that no one can come to me unless it has been granted to them by my father. But look what happens. From that time, many of his disciples went back and walked with him no more. Now, as I said earlier, you know, you would think that if you were one of those who got to walk with Jesus when he walked in Israel and you saw the things he did, you would have just wanted to continue learning from him. You would have wanted to abide with him. You wanted to be as close as you could be to him so you can hear him speak directly. 
that you would begin to grow, bless you. That you would begin to mature spiritually. But that's not the case, huh? What happens? Many people choose to walk away from Christ. And I was thinking about this this week. And, you know, we've all seen many, 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 many new believers walk away from Jesus Christ. Many new believers who... In the face of difficulties, in the face of trials, they give up and they walk away from him who saved them. And to me personally, it's heartbreaking. It really is one of the hardest things for me to see happen to a person. Just walk away from Jesus. Walk back to death. Walk back to the world. You know, being a Christian, being a believer, it's not the easiest thing. It isn't. But as long as Jesus is with you, you're never alone. You know, in Mark 4, we read the, the parables, right, of the sower. And, and Jesus is talking about all the seeds being thrown on the wayside and says some birds came and ate some of the seeds. And then some of the seeds landed in, amongst the thorns and they sprung up quickly. And the moment that the heat of the sun came, they got scorched and died. But then he says, and then there were some seeds that fell on good ground. And they produced a great harvest. And when I first read that as a new believer about going on 16 years now, I remember reading that passage and sitting there thinking, which one am I? Which one do I want to be? Well, I definitely don't want to be the ones that landed in the thorns. I've already lived among the thorns, and it ain't pretty. I said, I want to be one of those that the Lord actually sees a great harvest. I want to be used for his great kingdom. That's what I desire. That, that was always my, my heart's desire, that, I, that you would see the Lord just produce a great harvest. But too many believers, when they face that, that difficulty, they find it hard to abide in the words of Jesus. You know, I won't deny to you, I've been challenged in my walk where I've had to look at it and say, wow, this is hard. And, and I've had to come to that, that, that moment in my life where I, I looked at it and I said, okay, I have two choices. I can abide, I can remain in Jesus Christ, or I can go back to the world. And as I said earlier, I've lived in the world, I've seen the best that the world had to offer me, and literally all that offered me was death. And then I thought about it and said, you know, Jesus says, abide in my word, remain in my word, be persistent in my word. Why? Because his word strengthens you. In those moments of weakness, those moments of trials, those moments when life is just pounding you, pounding you, pounding you, it is his words that lift you up. It is that understanding that Christ will give you strength. That solid foundation of his very truth. That is what abiding in Christ will do for you. It will lift you up. It will just strengthen you. It will encourage you. As I said, we've all had to make a choice, right? We've all had to decide whether to walk with Christ in the hardships of life or to walk away from Christ. Some have made the choice to walk away. And as I said earlier, that is heartbreaking. But many of you have made the choice that, you know what? Life is hard. But without Jesus, it's extremely hard. It is a thousand times harder without Christ than it is with Christ. Without Christ, I have no hope. Without Christ, I am dead. But when you walk with him, you will be blessed. Now, in Proverbs 13 or 313, it reads like this. Happy is the man who finds wisdom and the man who gains understanding for her proceeds are better than the profits of silver and her gain than fine gold. 
She is more precious than rubies, and all the things you may desire cannot compare with her. Now, that is what the Word of God is. It's more precious than a ruby. You know, yesterday, I think it was, if I remember correct, they were trying to sell this, this uh, big old diamond, right? They wanted $70 million for it. And people were bidding. The highest they got is $61 million. You know that Jesus' word is even more precious than that diamond? Billions and billions and trillions of dollars worth more precious. Because it's written in his blood. That's why. That diamond is just a piece of rock. It's nothing. Nothing compared to the word of Jesus. I love what the Lord said to Joshua in 1.5. Now when Joshua became the leader of Israel, he was a young you know, a young man still, he, was, he wasn't older, much older than me. That means I'm young. And, and the Lord tells him this in, jo- uh, in Joshua 1.5. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. Now, isn't that exactly what Jesus said to his disciples? So here we have a Christophany. Here we have Jesus speaking to Joshua. And then he tells his disciples, As I was with you. I will always be with you. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. Never. Those words we need to take to heart. Christ is always with us. That's why we are to abide in Jesus Christ at all times. Joshua uh, 1, 6, 7, as we continue, says, Be strong and of good courage. For to these people you shall divide as an inheritance the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and be very courageous, that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn... From it to the right hand or to the left, that you may prosper wherever you go. Now, when the Lord is telling Joshua, be strong, he's not talking about physical strength. Now, we do have some brothers here who are very strong. You know, you look at Brother Jerry, he can bench press me, no problem. But the Lord is talking about a spiritual strength, being strong. Now, if you find that you're weak in your faith and you're struggling in your faith, then that is when you got to abide in Jesus. That is when you got to come and pump iron in the words of Jesus Christ. That's when you get strong. See, his word will sustain you, as I told you earlier, and his word will encourage you. It will make you brave. I love that the Lord keeps telling Joshua again in chapter, in verse 9, telling him again, be strong. Three times. He says, be strong, be courageous, for I am with you wherever you go. Now, how did Joshua learn to abide in the Lord? Did it just come overnight? No, right? He, he learned it from one man, Moses. Moses would abide in the Lord. Moses trusted in the Lord. Moses sought counsel from the Lord. And so he had a good mentor who taught him to seek the Lord. Yeah, he was not a perfect man. There is no such thing as a perfect man. We've only had one perfect man and one perfect God all in one, and that is Christ Jesus. No one else. Moses had his moments. But the one thing Moses had was faith in God. And he passed that on to Joshua. Joshua learned to seek counsel from the Lord. Joshua learned to abide in the very words of God. Because he knew his strength was in the Lord. Now, the camp, the entire nation of Israel was taught that they needed to abide in the words of God. And they needed to obey the Lord and they needed to follow the commandments. But in chapter 7 of Joshua, you read of one man named Achan. Achan didn't obey the Lord. He didn't seek the counsel of the Lord. And when they went into the city, he found some gold, a little bit of uh, nice clothing. 
And the Lord had said, don't take any of this. None. What does he do? Oh, he decides to take it with him. And he hides it under his tent. Digs a hole in the ground. Puts it in there. But not just him that knew about it. It wasn't only him. He, his family knew about it. So the next time, you know, the, the, the Israelites are going up to the tiny little city called Ai. And boy, they get whipped. They are humiliated. And Joshua's laying on the floor saying, why, Lord, why? Why would happen? Why did you let this happen, Lord? And the Lord just tells them straight out, stand up. There's sin in the camp. You know? And guess what? That sin of that man not abiding in God not only cost that man his life, but it also troubled the nation of Israel. And when the sin was discovered, the, the law was that they had to be stoned. But guess what? It wasn't just him who lost his life over greed, over material wealth, over trusting in, in, in the things of this world. His whole family as well, and his animals, his whole people wiped out because they did not abide in the words of the Lord. And that's sad. Sin will destroy. Sin will just kill you and kill everybody around you when you are letting it come into your life, into your home. There's a reason why Jesus says, abide in my word. Because his word will protect you and your home. His word will strengthen you. His word will encourage you to teach your family. I told you earlier, it's not easy. But you know what? The true disciple, the true believer, he remains... He remains steadfast, even through the trials. The believer looks at the trial and says, it's okay. Christ is with me. I will endure it. I will, I will, I'm going to get through this. I'm not alone. He is with me because his word tells me. In those moments of, of trials, that's when you should be diving into the word of God. This is why it's so important that you have a devotional life. That you may remember the things that Jesus has told you and taught you throughout his, your entire life as a believer. When you're abiding in Christ's word, when sin comes against you, you will know what to do. You will flee from sin. You will just look the other way. You would not want anything to do with sin. Because God's word, written in your hearts and in here, will be ringing loud and clear. Hey, the Lord says to avoid this. Why? Why does he say this? Well, because it says, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. See, you're Jesus' disciples. You follow his teachings. You believe in his name. You believe in the finished work of the cross. You believe that when you died to sin and you came to Christ, you were given a new life. Right? And as a new person, that old man being dead, completely gone, eradicated, you became a disciple of Jesus Christ. You know, I read an article yesterday about this young couple. Um, I believe they were from Idaho. And this young couple has a newborn baby. It's only about six months old. And this baby was born with this uh, genetic, rare genetic uh, disorder called trisomy 18, which is three chromosomes of this uh, number 18. And what that actually does, it, it causes uh, deformalities. Most babies don't even make it through their third trimester. They die in the womb. And those that are born usually don't make it through their first month. And when this couple was told that their baby wasn't going to live, I mean, it was horrible, you know, just being told this. And I'm reading this article, and the mom is just, just heartbroken. She's carried this baby for nine months. She's giving them birth. And this doctor's giving them the bleakest report. Your child has no chance of surviving. 
Just, if it doesn't eat, it's okay. Just let it die. That's what they're being told. And the mom is heartbroken and the dad is sad. But you know what? They, they remember the one thing. And I love what she said. She said this, because now the baby's six months old. She said, Alex has taught me so much about not worrying about tomorrow. All the scriptures about not worrying about tomorrow, they are true. Because their faith is not in doctors, their faith is in Jesus Christ. And that faith, those scriptures that they carry in their hearts, it's what's just giving them the strength to go day by day. And she says this, you can live 30 or more days without food, three days without water, three minutes without air. But you cannot live a single second without hope. Who gives that hope? Jesus Christ. When the storm is coming, when the trials are hard, when the day seems darkness, it is that word of Jesus that strengthens you. It is that word that gives you strength and just carries you throughout the day. The fact that he is with you at all times. Matthew 5.44 says, But I say to you, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. For he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good, and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward have you to do you? You do not even... Do not even tax collectors do the same? Isn't it true? They could have been spiteful towards the doctor. She could have been mean and said, you know what? You're wrong. But you know what? She's learned to love that doctor. Because scripture told her, love him. And she's doing that. You are to love when, when times are hard. Why? Well, if you read verse 32, it says this. And you shall know the truth. And the truth shall make you free. Now, what is truth? What is veritas? Just the original language. What, what is truth? Truth is Jesus Christ. You know, when you're brought up in religion, you're taught to do certain rituals. You're, you're, you're brought up following certain creeds. And you think that these things please the Lord, right? You think that by doing these, these rituals every day on a daily basis that they're pleasing unto the Lord. But those rituals are really just a yoke that you've put upon yourself. They're not helping you. It's not saving you. But Jesus' words, the fact that when you trust in Jesus as your Lord and Savior... That truth, that knowledge is what sets you free to worship God with all your heart and to trust in the grace that abounds in Jesus Christ. Truth is what? That God is merciful to those who repent of their sins. Truth is that God is compassionate to the lost. Truth is that God is loving to those who hate him. That's truth. You know, for years, as a young man before I knew Christ, I hated people. Oh, I had a disgust for certain people. I couldn't stand even seeing their face because I just wanted to tell them exactly what was on my mind. And then Christ came into my heart. And that snare that sin had in my life, in one night, in one prayer, Jesus set me free. I can still recall, and I've shared with some of you, I can recall the night when I walked into that church group and I heard that man preach the gospel and I heard that there was hope, life, and forgiveness in Jesus Christ. That at that moment, I began to sob like a baby. I was supposed to be a, a tough bottle, tough guy. You know, I don't cry. Hey, I'm tough, you know, but man, 
when that word began penetrating the deepest, darkest, hardest parts of my heart, something changed. And I remember as I began to cry and ask for Jesus to come into my heart. And I remember people laying their hands on me and praying over me. And I started just saying, Lord, forgive me of my sin. Forgive me, Father. Forgive me. Forgive me. And I heard these chains, literally chains falling from my hands. So crazy that I actually looked to the ground because I, I thought somebody had, had dropped something. I realized in that moment that that was the spiritual Chains that binded me to sin. I realized that the slavery that I was in was broken. Because the truth that Jesus loved me broke those chains off my heart. He set me free. His power set me free. That grace, that love set me free. And when you know the truth that God loves you, you are free. Free from sin. You are free to preach the gospel to save others who are ensnared in those very sins that you once walked in. You were a slave to sin. No more. His word set you free. Your heart is free to love those who hate you. Somebody doesn't like you, you know what? I'll pray for you, bro. Why? Because God loves you. Y'all remember Lot? Now, Lot lived in Sodom, right? A very wicked city. That city was so sinful. Makes El Monte look nice. That city was not a fun place. But there's a righteous man named Lot. And Lot is distraught. He's bothered by what's going on around him. Because, see, Lot was... Influenced by his uncle, Abraham. Abraham had a personal relationship with God. Abraham knew God intimately. And, and Lot learned from Abraham. So when God was getting ready to destroy the city, he did something right. He sent his angels. And, you know, one of the interesting parts about it is that when, when the angels tell him, we're going to destroy the city, bro, you got to go. Lot still being hesitant, like, what? Well, you don't really want to, like, destroy it. Come on. You know? So what does the angel do? Well, in Genesis 19, 16 and 17, it says, And while he lingered, the man took hold of his hand, his wife's hand, in the hands of his daughters, two daughters. The Lord being merciful. Think about that. Okay, God is merciful. He could have said, okay, you don't want to go? I'm just going to destroy the city with you. No, God was merciful. He loved them. And they brought him out and set him outside the city. So it came to pass when they had brought them outside the city that he said, escape for your life. Do not look behind you, nor stay anywhere in the plain. Escape to the mountains, lest you be what? Destroyed. See, there's a reason God says, don't look back. When God sets you free, when God gives you a new relationship with him, when God has broken those chains of slavery to sin, you are not to look back to what you were. I know a lot of guys who like to, as Christians, they love talking about all this. Oh, man, Holmes, you remember this? You remember? Hey, you know what? That's dead. That, that doesn't exist anymore. You're a new creation in Christ. That guy is dead. Look ahead. Go forward. Yes, sometimes you must remember the past so that others might be saved. But you don't live in the past. You live for what God is going to do and what God is doing in you right now. That's what you live for. That's why the angel said, go, escape, flee to the mountains. Who's our mountain? Jesus Christ. We flee to our Lord. We run to him. We are strengthened in him. But the wife, his wife, you know, she had this thing. She loved the city because she disobeyed the Lord. She was longing to, like, go back. She was probably thinking, oh, Sabbath guy left my beans on the pot on the stove or something, right? But you know what? 
don't look back. Because what happened to her? She died instantly and became a pillar of salt as what? She was evidence. She was evidence of disobedience to the Lord. That's what she was. And it's sad because the Lord wants to start fresh with you. When you've been set free from sin, God desires for you to start a new life with him. Fresh. All your sins, gone. Right? Everything you ever did, forgotten. Today you start a new life. That's the most beautiful thing I've ever been given. You know, I remember when I first became a Christian, I had a coworker, And the day after I became a Christian, the very next day I went to work, and I was excited. I was pumped up, just, oh, man, guys, this happened to me last night. One of them looks at me and he says, you'll be back. I said, what? He's said, you know what, almost everybody says that. Once you've done all this evil stuff, you say, oh, I found Jesus. But you know what? They always come back. And I remember looking at him and saying, you know what? You ain't never going to see me coming back. Never. Because God set me free last night. I'm never coming back. Because I knew in my heart that that man was dead. He freed me. He made me a new person. And that's what he does for everybody who follows him and abides in his word. You are a new creation. All things are old. All things are forgotten. When you surrender your heart to Jesus Christ, you start a new life with him. A life of righteousness through Christ's righteousness. Not your own because we ain't got no righteousness. It's his righteousness that makes you free. His grace sets you free. Now, a lot of people don't understand that. They think that they have to keep going back to the way they were. You know, the Jews answered him and said, We are Abraham's descendants and have never been in bondage to anyone. How can you say you will be made free? Hmm. We have never been. That's interesting, huh? We are Abraham's descendants have never been in bondage to anyone. You know what that is? That's pride talking. At that moment, who was ruling over them? Rome. Before that, who ruled over them? The Assyrians, the Babylonians, 400 years in captivity in, in, in Egypt. You were a slave. You were a slave many times over. Now, the Assyrians had an interesting way of making you a slave. They would take fish hooks and stick them through your nose and pull you around like cattle. I just thought about that. I said, man, that feels painful. I don't know how people get their noses pierced to begin with. I just think it's painful. But having a fish hook and then having somebody pull you around like a cattle, like a cow, you know, that's, man, that's hard. But they were. They are in error. They are denying what they have been. True, Rome gave them some, some sort of freedoms to practice their religious beliefs. But nonetheless, it was Rome who dictated every aspect of their life. At any moment, if Rome thought that they were in sedition, Rome would come in and wipe out the nation. And Jesus prophesied that, in, that it would happen in A.D. 70. Tiberius came in and killed over 2 million Jews and sent the rest all over the nations. He scattered all the Jews. From that moment until 1948, they had no homeland. So yes... They were slaves. They may have been Abraham's descendants, but they were not Abraham's children because Abraham loved God with all his heart, not by religious rituals, but with his heart. Abraham only had one desire, to abide in the goodness of the Lord. That's why I always got to ask that question. Are you abiding in his goodness? Are you trusting in his word sometimes we have to examine our hearts and say am I being faithful am I being what God desires me to be because they're claiming that they've never been in bondage and then they tell them how can you say you will be made free because Jesus is correct 
to say that they are going to be made free in him. Because he's talking about spiritual freedom. See, you look around. Walk, walk down the streets of Monte. When you walk down the streets of Monte, you're going to see people enslaved to sin. Enslaved. You're going to walk people who actually think that they're doing the work of God. Yet they preach a different Jesus and a different gospel. A different way of being saved. That's the lie of Satan who tells people, you're free, man. No. You're still a slave. Except this time you're a slave to religion. True freedom comes from knowing God and loving God with all your heart. And doing the things that the Lord asks of you. Not because they are demanded, but because you love him and desire to be obedient. See, that's freedom. The freedom to say, Daddy, what you want me to do, that's what I'm going to do. Daddy, you giving me freedom to do anything that I want, I want to love you. You've given me freedom, Daddy. I want to praise you. See, that's freedom. When you're praising God out of a loving heart, there's no need for sacrifices because your price, your debt, my debt was paid on the cross of Jesus Christ. That precious blood that was shed on the cross set you free. There's a song by this young group uh, called Generación 12, and they have a song. It's called Una Sola Gota Me Salvo. One drop saved me. And it's true. Just that little drop of Jesus' blood was enough to cleanse all of us of our iniquity. So just as they thought they weren't in bondage, but they were physically and spiritually, so were many of you. But now Christ has made you free. Christ has given you what? Eternal life. It's sad to say there are many people who reject this Prince of Peace. There are many people who reject this soul-saving, God-giving life gospel of Jesus Christ. And it's heartbreaking. You know, verse 34 says, Jesus answered them, Most assuredly, I say to you, whoever commits sin is a slave of sin. Now, three times in this chapter, Jesus says, I tell you the truth. You see that in verse 34, 51, and 58. Now, Romans 6, 16 says, Do you not know that to whom you present yourselves slaves to obey, you are that one slave whom you obey, whether of sin leading to death or of obedience leading to righteousness? If you commit sin, you're a slave. Now, as Christians, we are to avoid committing sin. If, if you know that something will bring you back into that bondage, should you go around it? No, you got to avoid it. You have to. This is why when I became a Christian, I broke off all my old relationships. Because I didn't want to be anymore a slave to drugs. I didn't want to be anymore a slave to alcohol. They loved being slaves. Man, I was tired. I had found freedom in Christ. Why go back to that sin? Why go back like a pig to the mire? You know, why go back to the mud? Why? Now, if you commit sin, then you're a slave to that sin. Today, I shared with my wife um, this, this young woman. She was a sl uh, slave to pornography. 
she was one of the performers in pornography. And she went to a Christian retreat down in Veracruz, Mexico. And while she was down there, she was so excited in her, in her video sharing how when she heard the gospel of Jesus Christ, it just started like breaking down all the walls, literally. Just everything that, she, that she had been holding her captive to that sin, gone. And she was putting on her little blog and she says, I am no longer that person. Today I'm a Christian. I am free. Yeah, that's what she said. I am free. I have new life. That person doesn't exist anymore. See, her sin was broken by the blood of Christ. 2 Timothy 2.26, it says, And that they may come to their senses and escape the snare of the devil, having been taken captive by him to do his will. See, the, the gospel of Jesus Christ, when you hear it, when you receive it in your heart, it brings you to your senses. Hey, dude, what am I doing? Why am I living my life like this? There's more to my life that can be done. And Jesus sets you free. He breaks down those walls, those barriers, that blindfold that Satan has put in front of you. He removes it and allows you to see with clarity what your life is apart from him. Where your life is going. Now, one time my life was headed straight to hell. That's where I was headed. To hell. I was sharing with my daughter last night that as a young man, I had several people try to kill me on multiple occasions because of the life that I lived. And I am so grateful to Jesus that he set me free from that life. His, his word opened up my eyes to the truth. And that's what he writes to Timothy. You're no longer captive to do the devil's will. Your heart belongs to Jesus Christ. You are no longer captive to sin. If you're drinking, give it up. That stuff will destroy your life. If you're messing around with dope, give it up. It will destroy you. If you're being tempted to go out and, and commit adultery, walk away from that person. Because that sin will destroy you and kill you and destroy your family. You are not a slave of sin. You are in the grace and the love and the mercy of God. Don't let sin control your life. Don't let sin rule over you. Let the very love of Jesus Christ, that wonderful, gentle, caring master, rule over your heart. Because Satan, sin, when you submit to it, it only brings about one thing, death and destruction. Nothing more. In verse 35, it says, In a slave, guess what? A slave does not abide in the house forever. Do you think a slave of sin is going to enter the kingdom of God? No. He won't. A slave can never enter into the kingdom of God. Only a repented person, one who is called what? A son. Because that's what it says. But a son, he abides forever. Now, in these days, if you were a slave, you were bought and sold like cattle. That's sad. You know, if you were a slave in these days, your master can do anything he wanted to you. So if you stole and your master was angry, he could literally kill you and nobody would say anything to him because you were his property. He owned you. Now, not all masters were that cruel, but for the most part, most were. That slave, he had no guarantee that he would live in this house for the rest of his life. Because that master one day can just get mad at him and sell him to another crueler master. 
You know, you can say, you know, I got this slave. This guy just doesn't get it. And his little buddy will say, well, sell him to me. I'll set him straight. And man, that guy would beat him to death, literally. You know, a slave had no hope of ever being set free. A slave only knew one thing. Tomorrow I'm going to get up. I'm going to work for somebody. I'm probably going to get beat up, mistreated, barely given anything to eat, barely given any rest. That's what a slave had to look forward to. Now the son, the son had all the blessings, right? Because that was the master's son. See, you're the master's son. God has the very best for you. One day, you will abide with him forever. That is what we as believers need to keep in our minds. If I abide in the Lord, if I walk with my God, if I serve faithfully, if I'm obedient, I know what I have to look forward to. I have a good, gracious Lord who is preparing for me a home. A home that doesn't even need a key because nobody's going to break in and steal anything. Man, that's what I look forward to. I'll share with you this. When I'm sitting down, I love to close my eyes. I don't worry about who's on my right, who's on my left. I close my eyes. In my mind, I envision me as singing as beautiful as Angel does or Aralyn does. Normally, I sound like an old rooster. In Gatchel, you know, but. So, in my mind, I'm singing. I got an audience of one. And I'm singing to Jesus with all my heart. Because that's what drives me. That's what I got to look forward to. One day, being with him, being in his presence, glorifying him, singing with all my heart. See, that's what I look to. Because I'm a son. John 1, 12. You are a son, a daughter of the most high God, a child of the most righteous king. That's who you are. You are the apple of his eye. He looks at you and says, look at my baby boy. I love him so much. I can't wait for him and me to be together in my celestial kingdom. That is what we got to keep in mind when sin is knocking at our door and saying, hey, Kylie Holmes, come here. No, no, thank you. I don't need what you got. I got something better. And that's Jesus Christ. My God. Because verse 36, we'll close here. It says, therefore, if the Son makes you free, you are free indeed. Free from what? Free from sin. Free from death. Free from hell. That day when you surrender your life to Jesus... One of the most amazing things in all your life happens. First, as I shared with you earlier, all that evil you ever committed, blot it out. You no longer carry the guilt of sin because you were forgiven. See, sin is what drives people sometimes to commit suicide. It's heartbreaking when you know that people kill themselves because they think that they're not good enough. Heck, I'm not good enough. But I know someone who is, and he says he loves me. In Acts 3.19, it reads like this. Repent, therefore, and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out, so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. See, that's what it is, repentance. You've sinned. You've done something wrong. Even as a believer, you've, you've done something wrong. Don't carry it in your heart. Come before the presence of the Lord and say, Daddy, I messed up. Daddy, today I did this, and I know it dis disappoints you, but I ask you to forgive me. And you know what? God is not about to backslap you and say, get out of my face. He doesn't. When he knows you repented, he says, come here, mijo. And he takes you in his hands, and he loves you. And he teaches you to walk righteously with him. 
Why? Well, in Isaiah 4.22, it says this. The Lord speaking, I have blotted out like a thick cloud your transgressions and like a cloud your sins. Return to me, for I have redeemed you. See? Anything that's in your heart that is not of the Lord, surrender it and come back to him. Walk with him. Let your, your delight be just the fact that you're walking with the Lord. Every day, surrender your heart on a daily basis. You know, and when you're struggling with those desires, because Satan always puts that trap in front of you, guess what? The Lord is strong enough to take you from that situation. He will show you the way out. He will show you the way of escape because he doesn't want you falling back to what you were. He says, you are a new creation. Man, when I think about the fact that God loved me so much that he went to the cross to die for me, to sacrifice his life that I may have a relationship with him, that I could be set free, that to me, it just moves my heart and it makes me cry because I am that grateful to him for everything. You know, today, I'm not the man I used to be. My poor wife has seen that old man and I can tell you she's very happy that guy doesn't exist anymore. See, that man was a wicked man, a corrupt man through and through. That man didn't know how to love his wife and love his children. But when that precious God came into my heart, he taught me how to, how to be a father, how to be a husband. He taught me how to love others, no matter who they were, no matter what they've done to me. Love them. Pray for them. Why? Because he says, once you were in chain to slavery, to sin, now you've set free. Help them be free. Preach the gospel. That's what Jesus told us, right? He didn't tell us to go out and preach the gospel because it's a cool thing to do. He taught us to go preach the gospel because we're free from sin. Because we have the ability to set them free. And that's the gospel. That gospel is what makes all of us free from sin. That gospel of Jesus Christ that's in our hearts is what they're lacking. You know what? The Son of God made us free from our from what we were. Please share with those who don't know the Lord. Pray for them. Even if it takes 20 years, keep praying. Don't give up. Don't lose hope. You know, and let the love of Jesus Christ rule in your hearts. Let his word dwell in your mind day and night. And it will guide you and his word will become a path unto your feet, a light unto your feet. Excuse me. 